a desert planet with twin suns. Cassian Ander. This is what revolution looks like. People are standing up. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening, and welcome to our very first review and breakdown for Andor. It was a three-episode premiere today, so we got a lot to cover. So without further ado, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. So if you're not familiar with my reviews and breakdowns, I start each episode with a non-spoiler review followed by a full spoiler breakdown. And today, since it's three episodes, I'm just going to do one big spoiler review at the very end over all three because uh, I think that the non-spoiler review kind of encompasses what you need to know about each episode individually. And then at the very end, I'm going to do a vision segment because it doesn't make too much sense for me to speculate between episodes since I've already watched all of them, right? So without further ado, this is my non-spoiler review of episode one. This show is slow, but extremely cinematic. They rely on character interaction to move the story along rather than spe- uh, rather than spectacle or fan service, and it's definitely different than anything else we've gotten from Star Wars TV shows. But I really can't see where what can't can't wait to see where it goes from here. So that being said, the rest of this will be spoilers for Episode One. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Let's dive in. So first of all, it's very cinematic. This show looks amazing, and it just has a more authentic feel compared to most other shows, save maybe The Mandalorian. And I think a lot of that has to do with them using authentic sets rather than just using the volume, which is the new digital rendering technology, which works really well in certain contexts. But when an entire show is filmed on it, it can make certain settings feel more uh, limited and crammed uh, than we might prefer. So that being said, this show really breaks away from that. And that also, with with that in mind, the music is really, really awesome. And I hadn't even really noticed on my first watch, but it really puts you into each environment really effectively and really seamlessly too. Like I did, really didn't notice, but the music is really, really fantastic as well. Tone-wise, this show is very dark and quiet and slow. And it takes its time to really immerse you in Cassian's world It doesn't crack jokes. It puts you in the mundane and oppressive nature of living under the Empire, which I think is really, really interesting. And it's not pulling any punches, and it's not trying to be a show with a bunch of different cameos. A lot of the characters in these first three episodes we've never seen before, actually. So it's pretty cool. Much more adult than most other Star Wars shows have been so far. Um, But it's really, really awesome. Looking at Cassian specifically, we get to see his brutality early on with his just like kind of cavalier nature when it comes to killing the guards. Like he hesitates a little bit, but not really. Um, And we also get to see that early on in Rogue One when he just kills Tivik uh, on the rings of Kufreen. And that being said, he does seem different than he was in Rogue One. He's a little sadder. You can see that from his facial expressions, more reserved. Uh, he's not quite as confident and hardened as we see him, which makes sense. This is five years prior. But I I will be interested to see that development as we move forward in the show. Um, flashbacks. We get some flashbacks to Cassian's early life uh, on a planet called Canari. And they provide an interesting perspective, but I'll touch more on that later because in this particular episode, 
they don't go into too, too much detail. Um, there's a lot of implicit storytelling, which seems pretty minor, but as far as Star Wars shows go, this is pretty big because a lot of things are left unspoken or up to interpretation. And it kind of lets the audience draw conclusions for themselves, and it doesn't call for quite as much clunky expositional dialogue where they're sort of trying to telegraph to the audience what's going on as though we couldn't figure it out for ourselves. So that's pretty cool. An example of this is that there aren't any subtitles uh, for the scenes in Canari. They focus on facial expressions and body language, which I feel like is a really strong and bold choice. Uh, so that we don't know what they're saying. They're speaking a completely different language, but we can still understand what's happening just because of the context of the scene. Um, that being said, B2 EMO is the ground mech salvage assist unit that we see Andor with um, when he's back home on Ferrix. And I gotta say... This droid is already one of my favorites. He's so wholesome and well-meaning, and he's almost like a little dro- uh, like a little dog. If dogs could talk, he's like, could you take me with you? He's like, I think you should take me with you. I don't think you should go. I think you should stay. It's just so cute, and I love him a lot. Uh, they call him B2 or B for short. But, um, but yeah, no. Love B2. Relationships. We get to see a lot of the people that... Cassian interacts with on the day-to-day. We get Brasso, Bix, and the Shipyard Keeper. A consistent through line is that regardless of how sort of rogue and um, sort of unpredictable Cassian is, he has friends that he can rely on and who are there for him regardless of what he's done or how it might affect them. Like Brasso is his co-worker who works in this, uh, the ship stripping yard. He's willing to lie and corroborate Cassian's stories to help him cover up for his dealings. Um, Bix, who's the woman who's working at the mechanic shop, he goes along with his schemes, even though she knows better and even though it puts her at odds with Tim, her significant other. And the shipyard keeper, don't know his name, but he covers for Cassian and allows him to park without any trouble, uh, lest the authorities find out uh, about anything sketchy on his ship. I just think that that's super interesting, and I'll go into that more in the third episode, but um, but his relationships are super, super cool, and I love how they kind of develop those early to see to show how many friends he really has uh, in his life. And then we have corporate security. We're introduced to the Preox Morlana Security Authority, uh, which provides a very interesting perspective because we get to see the Empire using contract security to enforce their authority in insignificant parts of the galaxy, in order to allocate resources to more quote-unquote important pursuits. And we're introduced to Cyril Karn, who is this officer who has a relentless authority, and, or relentless enthusiasm for his work, uh, which his superior seems exhausted by, because whenever word gets out about the guards that Cassian murders, the superior wants to cover them up, because it would be too much paperwork, essentially which shows the corruption and short-sightedness of those in power. And Cyril really wants to make a difference and is convinced that he can. And that's kind of where we leave off this episode. Moving into episode number two, this is the non-spoiler view. We get more of a glimpse into Cassian's relationships as he goes about his day-to-day life and gets flashes of his past that provide context to where his life has taken him. 
Tensions build as his actions begin to catch up with him. That being said, the rest of this episode will have spoilers for episode two. So spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Let's dive in. The bell. That signifies when work is done and when work begins. It provides a very industrial and grungy feel uh, to Ferrex, which is really, really interesting. It also just kind of adds to that mundane daily routine vibe that they have going. Uh, Tim. Spelled Tim with two M's. He's the guy with the Scottish accent or Irish accent. Um, he's an interesting character because he is technically in the right for turning Cassian in because he did murder some government officials. Um, and he's acting to try to protect Bix, but he's also doing so out of jealousy, which, I mean, screw Tim, right? Like, he's kind of a jerk because he is the one that turns in Cassian and gives uh, the Primor authorities his name. And I love that they don't tell us that they figure out it was really Cassian. They just bring in the hostess, and it's implied that they know, right? They're not like, she's not like, oh, yeah, that's him. It's that implicit storytelling, once again, where it's just like, they don't need to say anything. It's just that we, we as the audience are able to figure it out for ourselves. And so that's really well done. Props to them. Marva, who we got referenced by B2 in the previous episode. She's obviously some sort of maternal figure to Cassian. Doesn't seem to be biological um, because of their accents. So accents are a big distinguishing factor in the galaxy. You could have a core accent, which tend to be more Britishy as we know them on Earth or American. And then if you get out to the outer rim, like a Ringo Vinden accent is more like a Southern accent. Um, and Cassian has what you might call a backwater accent because it's not one of, um, of sort of the more quote-unquote civil society of the core worlds. And Marva does have one of those accents. So since they have these different methods of speaking, it kind of implies that they are not biologically related because Cassian would in theory have the same accent as Marva. Um, so that was something that kind of tipped me off on that. But Regardless of that, she seems very concerned with Cassian's safety, and they're living together. So, one way or another, she is connected to him. Um, Sergeant Mosk, uh, he's another member of the Primor uh, Security Authority. He's very eager to please. He has the same enthusiasm as Cyril, and is committed to order and justice. And also, he has an awesome accent. Like, I just love hearing him talk. A lot of the people in the show have really awesome accents, but... Um, but his in particular was really, really cool. Um, flashbacks. We get to see Cassian in this life. He's known as Casa uh, on a salvage mission with his tribe to the crash site that we see in episode one. And we also get to see that his home planet is being strip mined by somebody. We're not entirely sure who. Um, but there's a lot of devastation to the environment that's happening that we get to see. And the ship has people with Confederacy of Independent Systems logos on their uniforms. Um, and they, um, the Confederacy of Independent Systems is the Separatist Alliance. So whoever was flying this ship, and also the people on board seem to be human, um, but they have yellow skin. So it's unclear if there was some sort of accident on board their ship where they, uh, some sort of toxin got loose and they uh, they were all infected, or if they're an alien species that are humanoid but with yellow skin. 
unclear, but one of them kills one of Cassian's Casa's uh, tribe members, and the rest of the tribe carries them away. And then Cassian Casa is left uh, alone to investigate the ship um, without the others knowing. We're also introduced to Luthen Rail, who's played by Stellan Skarsgård. Um, he seems very interesting. His ship is really, really cool. Uh, and I'm excited to see how he factors in. And I also really liked at the very end the addition of the stranger making stupid small talk with him on the Airbus. That kind of made me chuckle. Or it's just like, that's such a fun little tidbit of our lives here on Earth where it's just like, it's that guy where you're just like, please stop talking to me. I just don't, I don't feel like engaging right now. I thought that was awesome. Um, that being said, last episode for this episode, this review is episode three. So this is my non-spoiler review of episode three, which is the story begins to expand past Andor's circle as he starts to get introduced to the wider scope of the galaxy. The flashbacks continue to provide context to his upbringing and show, and the show gains momentum from the character development that spanned the initial three episodes. So the rest of this episode will have spoiler warnings. So you've been warned. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Let's dive in. So... The first thing that I want to talk about is Luthen. I figured that he was the buyer, but I mean, I just got to say, Stellan Skarsgård has a really cool screen presence, and I think that he's just he's very mysterious, very stoic. I love it. I think that it's awesome. Marva. She rescued Cassian, or Casa, from Republic forces whenever he was still on board the CIS transport. She was a uh, scavenger. And she has a partner, and she also had B2 at the time, because he's a salvage assistant droid. And um, she showed a lot of compassion, despite her partner, maybe husband's, uh, protests. And um, she essentially kidnapped Casa, but also she, her heart was in the right place. She was trying to protect him. And I'm interested to see how her and her partner factor into this. If I had to guess... Those are going to be his parents um, as we know them because it seems like they aren't Republic sympathizers. They speak of the Republic in a very negative way. Uh, and this also confirms that this is happening during the Clone Wars era because of the Confederacy of Independent Systems versus um, Republic-type vibe. But it is interesting because initially I had thought that Cassian's mother had died when he was very young, so this kind of changes that. But um, but his father certainly did, so we'll see we'll see why and how that played out. But that being said, next up I want to talk about community. It's really cool to see the community of Ferrex banding together in the face of the Primor security showing up, and they defend Marva. The alarm, the alarm system was awesome where everyone started banging on all the metal stuff. Uh, Brasso tying up the ship was really cool. Just seeing everyone sort of come together in the face of this common enemy um, was really awesome, and I'll talk about that more in my overall review. But now talking about the Primor Security Authority. First of all, their ships look a bit like gunships, which is pretty dope. Um, the troops are organized, but Cyril isn't a leader or a soldier. We see that in the last episode with his awkward speech. He's not really, he has like a lot of these ideals. He's very idealistic, but he doesn't have the proper, um, wherewithal to execute these ideals. So that's a pretty interesting thing. 
he's not the ideal leader. He he knows what he wants to do, but he isn't quite able to make it happen. Um, and it's also cool because you get to see these troops that are presumably very advanced, but they're completely out of their element, and they go they get outmaneuvered by the locals. They don't know what the street names are, and uh, Cassian is able to sort of use the environment to his advantage and um, get the better of them. But that being said, I'm glad pre- um, I'm glad that Tim got shot by the Primor guys. Sorry, Bix, but Tim had to go. He kind of sucked. Uh, that being said, Luthor or Luthen and Andor at the very end were really cool together. Their whole exchange worked really well. Andor's perspective on just walking into an Imperial base is really cool and on point for his character, especially as we see him in Rogue One. He's essentially saying you just need confidence, and that's all all you really need to take care of business. Um, I really can't wait to see where they go from there. Stellan's character is really cool, Luthen. Just but like the way that he thinks ahead, putting the bombs around the doors and with the diversion with the, the fake speeder. It's all just really awesome. So I'm excited. And that's about all that I have for my breakdowns. This is my overall review of um of all three episodes. And that's that there isn't a ton to break down. Most of the story is driven by dialogue and conversation, so there's not a ton of specific Star Wars stuff to pick up on that I could be like, oh, you might have missed this. It's all pretty straightforward so far. Um, That being said, it still feels like Star Wars. It didn't for the first episode for a while. It just kind of felt like a spy thriller espionage type story, but it started to kind of pick up on those vibes a little bit more as it went. Um, So far, I've liked it a lot. It's slow but satisfying. Everything feels very intentional and like it belongs in the story i'm intrigued is the best way to uh, to say it um i really like bix and basso and um and uh and b2 all, all the b names i really like them um this is a story about regular people in a galaxy of sort of extraordinary occurrences and the ordinary people people are overlooked and these particular ordinary people use that to their advantage. So that's really cool. That's sort of the idea of the rebellion in general is that they're underestimated and then are able to accomplish great things like blowing up the Death Star. Overall, I'm not necessarily like pumped about these episodes, but I'm certainly invested and ready for more. And what I mean by that is like after the first episode of Mandalorian season one, I was like, oh my gosh, what the heck is going to happen next? Like, oh man, there's there's Baby Yoda, there's this cool Mandalorian. Like, there was a lot of excitement around this. And it's not that I'm not excited, but it's just a slower show. It's a different show. And I'm I'm just really interested and I'm intrigued. It's kind of like I'm watching it with a squint, like, hmm, okay, where are you going to take it from here? But I feel the momentum picking up. I think that next week is going to be really awesome. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to cover it with y'all more. So, without further ado... Let's dive into visions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. First off, I'm assuming that Cyril will switch sides eventually. I think he'll come to realize that the ideology of the Empire is one of oppression rather than true order, and he'll come to his senses and sort of make that switch, probably join the Rebellion. Um, Other than that, I don't really know what's coming. I'm excited to say that. Like, I don't... Like I said, there's not a lot of Star Wars stuff to go off of. It's kind of a new story. And it's 
pretty unclear. I'm excited to see how Mon Mothma will come into play and what her storyline will entail. I'm excited to see more of the Imperial Senate um, and learn about that. Also, obviously, I'm interested to see Andor continue to look for his sister and how that plays out. We didn't get too much about that other than the flashbacks and um, and him talking about it at the brothel at the very beginning. I'm also interested to know why he's not telling Marva. Obviously, he was taken from his homeworld at a young age, um, and so maybe he resents her for separating them a little bit. Maybe she he feels like she wouldn't approve of this because we also hear that Karani... Uh, had some sort of mining accident that like destroyed the entire planet basically and made it uninhabitable. So maybe he's told her and she's like, she's probably dead. It's a waste of time. Unclear, but I'm excited to learn more. It should be interesting. And yeah, that's about all that I have. Um, it's an interesting show because I, like I said, there's not a lot to break down. There's not a lot to speculate on. It's just kind of there. And yeah, it all kind of bled together too because I watched them back to back to back. So I had to go back and kind of watch them individually to figure out what happened in what episode. But I I like it. I like it, guys. I, I wish I was like more like, woo, excited. But I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't come into the show with too many expectations. And I don't feel like my expectations haven't been met, but I don't feel like they've been exceeded. I feel like... It's just a good show so far, and I like it, I'm excited, and I think it's going to pick up soon. So, that being said, I do think it was a really good move for them to release all three of these episodes today, because I think that I would be far less kind to it if uh, if it was just one or two. But, that being said, um, that's about all that I have. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, at Talks. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Twin Sun Talks Podcast, and Follow and listen wherever you get your podcast by searching Twin Sun Talks. Stay tuned next Monday for our next regular episode, and then we'll do another and or review and breakdown next Wednesday whenever the new episode drops. So that said, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you, and I'll see you all in the next episode. Bye, friends.